Good morning. Hey, look at someone around you. Find someone that's good looking and look right at them. All right, when you find them, I want you to tell them this. Tell them the rest of your life. All right, find someone better looking than that. Because you could do a lot better than that. Come on. Look at someone. Tell them the rest of your life will be the best of your life. Try this. Point to yourself. Say the rest of my life. There, now you sounded better when you talked about yourself. That's good. Good confidence. Say it will be the best of my life. Now I'm going to get you to say that as much as I can because I believe what you continually hear, you'll eventually believe. How many believe the rest of your life really could be the best of your life? Let me see your hand. It doesn't matter how good things are going for you right now. The rest of your life will be the best of your life. It doesn't matter how bad things are going for you right now. The good news is the rest of your life will be the best of your life. John 10, 10 promised Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. He didn't say I've come that you might make a living. He said, I've come that you might have life. There's a big difference between making a living and making a life. And he wants us to have life in the Amplified Bible. It says that you might have and enjoy life. One more time as you're sitting down, say the rest of my life will be the best of my life. I mean, that's what the Bible says. How many believe the Bible? Okay, good, a little over half of you. Now, how, how, many, how many really, how many believe the Bible? Let me see here. Okay, how many have ever wondered, did God really write all that stuff? Be honest, you won't go to hell or anything. Let me see your hand. Okay, good, a few of you. I've wondered before. I mean, I, I grew up in church my whole life, just so you know a little bit about me. My dad's a preacher. Uh, he's been a pastor for over 40 years. Uh, still doing missions work. He's actually in Peru right now doing some missions work. My grandfather is a, an evangelist. He's 91 years old. Uh, just preached about two weekends ago. Still preaching. Uh, my grandparents just celebrated 70 years of marriage back in June. And so, uh, uh, you know, I grew up in church my whole life. And I've wondered, even growing up in church my whole life, I've wondered, God, did God really write all this stuff? I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff in here. I started thinking one day, because if God didn't write the Bible, someone had to have. So I started thinking of people I knew. I mean, you want to narrow it down. You know, if God didn't do it, I don't know, maybe my Uncle Tony did it. He, he don't do a lot. Then there's that scripture, if you don't work, you don't eat. I'm like, nope, my Uncle Tony didn't write that. If you start thinking about people you know, you know your kids didn't write the Bible. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Nope. Maybe my wife wrote it. Submit to your... Nope. <laughs> how many, be honest, how many of you wrote the Bible, how many can think of at least three things you would not have put in there? <laughs> but like eight commandments instead of ten, you know. Tithing would have definitely been lower, wouldn't it? Like two percent, not eight. The eleventh commandment, thou shall not get caught. I don't know. Anyway, we, here's the thing. We'd all change a lot of things if we'd wrote the Bible. Here's what I know. No human being could have ever wrote a standard this high. So if God said it, I just believe it. And he said he's come that I might have life, that I might have it and enjoy it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Life is a gift. Life is a gift. How many like to get gifts? We're Christmas season. Everybody likes to get gifts. And, and have you ever bought a gift for someone, uh, like a, a couple of... Uh, um, uh, months ago was my wife's birthday and I bought this gift for her at the mall and I got it for her. I'm like, oh, she's going to love this. Cause I, I found it. I just picked it out just for her. And I'm like, here, here, open it. 
and I'm watching because, you know, I want to see her face when she opens it because I picked it out just for her. How many know what I'm talking about? And you're like, here, open. I would have been disappointed if she just said, oh, thanks, I'll open it later and just set it on the table. I'm like, come on, I got that for you. I want to I open it. Or what if she had tore the paper a little bit and said, oh, that looks like it might be good and then set it down. I'd be disappointed. I wanted her to rip the paper off and see what I'd got her. And that's the same thing with God, what God's done for us with this gift called life. This gift called life, God picked it out just for you. It wasn't like God went to Sam's or Costco, you know, and bought life in bulk. <laughs> just gave us all the same thing. Here you go, everybody. That's why none of us are alike. The other day someone told me, said, Dave, you know, you and me, we're just alike. I said, you know, if you and me are just alike, one of us is unnecessary. <laughs> I'm going with you. No, none of us are alike. I mean, I can't be you and you can't be me. I can't be Pastor Evan. I got to be me. Wish I, I like Pastor I wish I could preach like he's hilarious and, and, and word and dresses smooth. And man, I just like, but I can't be him. I got to be me. You know, don't insult God by trying to be something he didn't create you to be. You know, I mean, I can't be, I can't be T.D. Jakes. Get ready, get ready. Ah. I love that, but I can't, that hurts, <clears throat> I hurt my throat just doing that right there. I, got, I can't be, I gotta be me. I can't be Joel Osteen. <laughs> Amen. Every day's a Friday. Uh, uh, I gotta be who God created me to be. I gotta unwrap my gift. A couple of Christmases ago, I bought my mother-in-law a gift for Christmas. I, I bought her a cemetery plot. For, for, for Christmas, and <laughs> this is my mother-in-law, you know, I, I didn't get her anything this year, so she's mad at me. You, know, you didn't give me anything for Christmas this year. I'm like, you didn't even use what I, what I, I'm just saying, you know, when you get someone a, when you get them a gift, you want them to use it. And so, so here's this gift called life that God gave to us. Now, here's the thing about life. Life doesn't always turn out the way you think it's going to, and and, and doesn't turn out the way you thought. And sometimes, you know, you worry about stuff that doesn't even happen and all that. How many have ever, how many have ever worried about something that didn't happen? Yeah, don't you hate that? How many still got a headache? <laughs> Stomach still hurt. You got all nervous. And then didn't, that's why the Bible says don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. We all worry about stuff that never even happens. The bad thing is now if it does happen, you got to go through it twice. <laughs> so don't worry about it ahead of time, you know. Plus, like I said, half time things don't turn out like you thought they were going to. It looks one way, turns out completely different. You know, things, we go through things all the time in life. How many, how many have ever been on an airplane that hit turbulence? Everybody. Yeah, what'd you do when the airplane hit turbulence? Prayed. Prayed, yeah, maybe buckled up, held on. Uh, let me ask you this. Did anybody get off right then? No, no, it got a little bumpy, but you didn't get off. You didn't quit. Like, I'm out of here. No, same in life. How many have ever hit some turbulence in life? Things got a little bumpy in life. What do you do? Same thing. Pray, hold on, buckle up. You don't quit. You don't give up. I mean, things get bumpy. I was on the plane the other day with a lady. She'd never flown before, and, and uh, she was sitting next to me. So we were talking for a few minutes. She goes, I've never flown before. I'm like, it, 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 it's fine. It's going to be fine. She goes, what is something? I'm like, don't worry. I'm on the plane. It's going to be fine. And... and um, <laughs> And, and, and uh, we, we, I fall asleep pretty quick, so I fall asleep on the plane, and we, we had some turbulence that started getting a little bumpy and shaky, and she starts hitting me. She goes, hey, 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 wake up. I'm like, huh? She's like, do something. 
I'm like, what? She goes, didn't you say you were a preacher? I'm like, I'm a preacher. I'm not a pilot. I don't know what I can do about like turbulence or something. She goes, I don't know. She goes, do something religious. <laughs> so I got up and took an offering. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, in life, you hit bumps and you hit situations. and you think, But look, half the time, half the time, things don't even turn out like you thought they were going to anyway. So the Bible says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, take care of yourself. This is the day the Lord has made. Yeah, he didn't say yesterday was the day I made. I hope you rejoiced. He didn't say tomorrow will be the day I make. Make plans now. No, he said this is it. This is all you got. Today is all you got. I choose to rejoice. I chose today is going to be a good day. Even though things don't always turn out the way you thought. Like a guy sitting on the park bench one day and he looked over and there was a nun sitting next to him on the park bench. He said, excuse me, uh, ma'am, I, I hate to bother you, but I've, I've had a dream my entire life. To, I've always wanted to kiss a nun. I just saw you sitting there and I was wondering if you'd mind. And the nun said, excuse me, I'm a nun. I can't go around kissing people. I'm a, I'm a nun. He goes, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. I should have never even mentioned it. I should have never said anything. Then he turned around and the nun said, well, hold on, hold on, wait a minute. I don't want to hinder your dreams if I could help you. And the nun said, you know, I would be willing to kiss you on two conditions. Number one, you got to be Catholic. He said, I'm Catholic. This is perfect. He said, number two, you got to be single. He said, I'm single. The nun said, okay, fine then. He laid a big one right on the nun. As soon as he got done kissing the nun, he starts laughing. The, the nun said, what do you think so funny? He said, well, actually, I got to admit I lied to you. I'm Baptist. He said, Ann, I'm married. All of a sudden, the nun started laughing. He said, what do you think so funny? The nun said, actually, my name's Kevin. <laughs> and, and I was just on my way to a costume party. So um, all I'm saying by that is things are not always as they first appear. So, so don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, take care of yourself. This is the day the Lord has made. I'm choosing to rejoice and be glad in it. Look at this scripture in um, in Luke. No, go to the scripture in uh, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. It's such an honor for me to be back at Word of Truth. I love your pastors, man. They are just two of my favorite people. You guys are blessed to have pastors like this. Pastor Evan, Pastor Sarah. And, and uh, I'm, you know, there's some people, you know, the more you're around them, the more you like them. And there's other people, you know, the more you're around them. You know what I'm saying? But they're the kind of people, the more I'm around them, the more I just like them. And I, I just appreciate their, their heart for God, their heart for you. But I just appreciate their friendship as well. And, uh, and they are just people of, of integrity, you know, whether it's in the pulpit or out of the pulpit. And they want the very best for you. So I'm just honored. Thank you guys for letting me come and, and uh, hang out with you guys. Because when God gives you pastors like this, I, I was telling the last verse, they're not just your pastors. They're your, they're your coach. They're your mentors. They're your trainers. They're kind of all those things together. And when God gives you a, a coach or a trainer, their job is to stretch you, to develop you, to help you. Anybody ever worked out with a trainer? Anybody ever worked out besides me, obviously? Um, I think this is natural, did you? The other day, my wife, she said, honey, you have got the body of a God. I was like, thanks. Yeah. She said, yeah, Buddha. <laughs> Buddha was not the, yes, anyway, um, a good trainer pushes you further than you push yourself. How many, let me ask you this. How many, since you've been at Word of Truth, how many have ever felt stretched a little bit? 
Look at all those hands in there, in your faith, in your mindset, in your thinking. Why is that? That's because you got two good trainers that are trying to help you. Not trying to hurt you, but they're trying to stretch you, to develop you. Because that's where that last one at, at the gym, the one you'd have never done if the trainer hadn't said, come on, you can do one more. The one that hurt the worst, that you just barely, that's the one that caused the most good or the most change to take place. The change takes place in the stretch, in, the, in that one more further than you would actually went on your own. And so every time, thank God for your pastors. Let them know how much you appreciate them. Let them know how much you honor them. Not just once a year, pastor appreciation, but all the time, let them know because they're here to help you be your very best. Amen? Amen. Look at the scripture in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to read it from the, um, uh, from the Amplified Bible because I, I, I like the Amplified Bible. I used to think it was a girl Bible. I used to never use it because I thought it was a girl Bible. But I, No, like Joyce Meyer uses it all the time. So I figured it was a girl Bible. I did, but then I read it. I, like, I read it for myself. I like what it says. Look at this. Not to him who, by in consequence of the action of his... See how it adds all those extra words? I bet it's a girl Bible. It's a lot of extra work. Okay, anyway. Okay, here, here what it says. Now to him who by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us. Isn't it good to know that God's power is at work within you? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. There's something greater in me. The power of the Holy Spirit is working on the inside of me, is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly. I like that word right there. Say that word. Say super abundantly. How many like God to bless you super abundantly? You have more joy than you have right now, more peace than you have right now, more love in your home than you have right now, more finances than you have right now. God wants to bless you. I'm blessed to be a, he wants to bless you. How many like to have more money than you have right now? You won't go to hell for that. Let me see your hand. Okay. Aren't you glad you get taught that here? I grew up in church. We didn't get taught that. We thought we were supposed to be poor because poor people go to heaven. Rich people go to hell. We did everything we could to stay broke. (laughs) My dad would tell us if the ice cream truck was playing music, that meant they were out. That's that's bad right there. You know, I mean, that's uh, like for Christmas, they give us batteries, say toys not included. You know. But that's how we grew up. So we we didn't learn about the blessings of God. Thank God you're blessed here to understand that God does want to bless you super abundantly. You're blessed to be a blessing. Money, money's not, well, money, you know, money's the root of all evil. Well, we know that here. That's not what that says. It says the, right, the love of money. Money is the root of um, good vacations. Someone the other day told me, say, you know, money's not the key to happiness. I said, that's true, but if you got enough money, maybe you get a key made. Um, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Money's not even supposed to make you happy. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible said in his presence is fullness of joy. So my joy comes from his presence. It doesn't have nothing to do with money. Money, all money is, is a tool. Money's a tool. Money's not good. Money's not evil. Money's a tool. A tool is a tool. How I use it makes it good or evil. A hammer is just a hammer. I can use a hammer for good or I can use a hammer for evil. I can use it to build a home to rescue girls from human trafficking or I can use it to build the brothel that abuses the girls. Same hammer, just how I choose to use it makes it good or makes it evil. So as I have resources, I can use it to build the kingdom of God, to build the the God a house, or I can use it for my own selfish gain. I choose whether to use it for good or whether to use it for evil. And so when you understand the purpose of it, uh, you're blessed to be a blessing. And when you get that right, God wants to bless you super 
abundant. It's like, it's like a water pipe. The purpose of a water pipe is not to get wet. The purpose of a water pipe is to move water. It moves water from one place to another place. The purpose of God's blessings in my life aren't just so I can get blessed. It's so I can be a blessing. And as I'm a blessing, same thing with the water pipe. As it moves the water, how many know the pipe gets wet? That's not the purpose of the pipe, but it's part of what happens in the process. The same thing is God's blessings on my life aren't just so I can get blessed or so I can be a blessing. In the process of me being a blessing, I get blessed, but that's not the purpose for it. Understand what I'm saying? So God blesses me so I can be a blessing. I'm always looking for ways to, to give. I mean, I, of course, I honor God with my tithe and my offering at church. But then outside of that, I mean, I was looking at the generosity. I love that. And, and our ways to give. And Pastor was telling the last service about going into the, I don't know if you mentioned in this service, about going to the uh, grocery stores and different things we can do and, 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 and give. And look for ways. I was at Taco Bell. lady next to me was planning a birthday party with her little boy. And he's about 10 years old. And he had a list of 12 friends he wanted to invite to the party. And she said, you can only invite 10 friends to the party. But he goes, but I got 12. She goes, look, I can only afford this many pizzas or this many slices. So that's this many friends. And they're talking back and forth. Then they start getting upset because he wants all of his friends there. And she's upset because, I mean, it's a mom. She wants him to have all of his friends. She just can't afford all the stuff that, that's needed. And it came down to money. I'm listening to them. They start arguing. It's all about money. And all the, I remembered I had a $100 bill in my pocket. I'm blessed to be a blessing. It's not about me. I don't have, I, when God blessed me, he had a lot more than me in mind. And so I have an opportunity. I got a hundred dollar bill in my pocket. I just go over to the table. I said, excuse me. I said, I'm sorry to, to bother you. I wasn't eavesdropping on your conversation. I was, I was just listening to it. <laughs> I said, look, here's a hundred dollars. Um, let, let him invite those other two friends and you guys just have a great birthday party. God bless you. And I just turned around and walked out. Because it wasn't about me. I didn't need to go, hey, here's $100, and here's my card. Check out my YouTube channel, and, uh, and follow me on Instagram. Because um, it wasn't about, by the way, check out my YouTube channel, follow me on Instagram, but, but um, at Dr. Dave Martin. But here, here's the thing. It wasn't about that. I just left. She's like, who is that guy? She got home, told her friends probably. She's like, you're not going to believe this. I'm sitting there in Taco Bell, and this big, bald angel showed up. With a hundred dollars. I'm blessed. Say that. Say I'm blessed to be a blessing. See, when you get that in your heart and you're right, you know, God, God blesses you so you can bless other people. So he wants to bless you super abundantly, far over and above all that we dare. I like that word dare. How many of you ever been dared to do something? I'm getting ready to dare you to do something right here in a minute. Dare, ask or think infinitely beyond our highest Prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. So God's saying, look, I can do more over and above, super abundantly, more than anything that you would even dare to ask. Look, God gave us a little dare there. He goes, I'm going to dare you to ask big. I'm going to dare you to think big, to dream big, to believe big. How many got some big dreams and big things God's put in your heart? He goes, I'm going to dare you to ask, think big, beyond your highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. He said, look, after that, I can do even more over and above, super abundantly, anything you could even think of. I mean, that's a big God. With God, all things are possible. Now, we don't really believe that. I mean, do we really believe all things are possible? I mean, do we really, or is it just something we say at church? Nothing is impossible. We sing it, but do we really believe with God? I mean, first thing we do, we get a headache. What do we do? Take some aspirin. Why don't we pray for ourselves first? If we really believe that all things are possible. I mean, nothing wrong with taking an aspirin. That's not what I'm saying. But that's not the first thing I think of. 
you know, our, 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 uh, this guy, he said, I got a hold of that scripture 18 years ago. All things are possible. He said, I decided I'm not going to have any more colds. I don't like colds. Coughing, sneezing, I don't like colds. I'm not going to have any more colds. 18 years went by. He said, I didn't have a cold for 18 years. He landed in Chicago to speak, and a lady picked him up at the airport, and she was coughing and sneezing. She goes, I'm sorry, I got a horrible cold. She said, I sure hope you don't catch it. He said, oh, don't worry, I won't. She said, what do you mean you won't? He said, well, I don't get colds. She said, oh, come on, everybody gets colds. He said, not me, I don't get colds. She said, I just know two or three times a year, I just know I'm going to get a cold. Exactly. Get what you say. Get what you expect. Jesus knew she was going to get a cold. How many know your words are powerful? Your pastor teaches. They teach you that. Your word. How many have ever said something to hurt somebody? How many have ever said something to hurt you? So see, it's real obvious. Our words are powerful. The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. It says you eat the fruit of what you say. Heard about this couple, 25-year wedding anniversary. They're celebrating 25 years of marriage. They went back to the same uh, a hotel they'd went to, got the same suite, just reminiscing about what had happened the last 25 years, the ups and downs, the good times, the bad times. And then the husband kind of laid his head back in his wife's lap and she was running her fingers through his hair, you know, what he had left. And, and, uh, and, and she took his glasses off of him and she looked down at him and she said, you know, honey, without your glasses on, you look like the man I married 25 years ago. And he looked back up at her and he said, you know, honey, Without my glasses on. <laughs> okay, all I'm saying is, is your, your words are powerful. Your words are powerful. So just be careful what you, what you say. So he said, I don't get cold. He left. He left Chicago. A couple weeks later, he kind of felt his sinuses drain a little bit. He said, that's weird. That feels like a, a cold. He said, I don't get colds. He said, I just prayed, spoke to the germs and bacteria. He said, look, I don't get colds. He said, you guys are in the wrong place. He said, but I do know a lady in Chicago that's <laughs> been expecting you. So do we really believe with God all things are possible? If we did, we would believe. He would do super abundantly far over and above anything we could dare. I'm going to dare you to believe God for something. I'm going to dare you to believe that not only the rest of your life could be the best of your life, but I'm going to dare you to believe that the rest of your year could be the best of your year. That the rest of your year, 2013, you say, well, this year's over. I mean, really, Thanksgiving's this week, and then, then it's the holidays and Christmas, and then it's, it's you know, uh, I mean, God, how many got some things you've been asking God for this year? Some things you haven't seen happen yet. Let me see here. Now, listen, this is, this is great. God created the entire world in six days. Think what he could do for you in the next 40 days. I'm just saying, the entire world in six days, pastor's been teaching us the last few weeks on miracles. How many believe him for some miracles? Yes. I mean, if God could create the world in six, what could he do for us in the next 40 days? The rest of my year, say it with me, say the rest of my year, rest of my year. will be the best of my year. Yes. I've got some things I'm still believing God for this year. I'm not giving up yet on this year. This year, God's still got a lot of time to work this year. I saw a football team the other day come back in the last quarter, uh, the last few minutes of the last quarter, and accomplish more than they did in the whole first three quarters and won the game. In the last few minutes of the last quarter, uh, we, it wasn't the Cowboys, obviously, but, but it was another team that came back in the, in the last... Just say it. I'm just saying. In the last, I heard about the uh, 
the, the storms a few weeks ago here. They had the tornado warnings and stuff, and they were uh, telling everyone to go to Cowboy Stadium for, for safety because there's no chance of a touchdown. <laughs> be, is that, is that, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, it's like I got up this morning at my hotel over here in Arlington. I looked out the window of my hotel, and I could see Six Flags, and, and I could see Cowboy Stadium, and I was like, I wonder which roller coaster would be funner. Okay, okay, listen, listen. All right, let's get back to the message. The last few minutes of the last quarter, think what God could do for you. Here's what I'm going to dare you to do. I'm going to dare you to believe God for more. I'm going to dare you to believe that God can still do some things for you this year. How many ready to take my dare? How many ready to believe that the rest of your year really could? How many like to see more people get saved? The last part of this year, they did the whole first part of this year. How many, how many like to be better off financially the rest of this year than you were the first part of this year? Yeah, more love in your home, more joy. Dare. Here's the word. Take the word dare. D-A-R-E. D-A-R-E. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a word for every letter there. Just four things. D-A-R-E. That'll help you to remember this message. I like to teach with acronyms because it always helps me. But dare means to be brave enough, to be, to be bold enough, to, to, to be certain enough, to have the courage. I love people that are, have courage. I wrote a book called The Twelve Traits of the Greats. One of the traits is courage. You got to have courage to step out. You're going to be a person of faith. That takes a lot of courage. Courage and, 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 and risk. Risk is what we call faith in the, in the church. But, but I mean, courage to be yourself. We were talking earlier. I can't be Pastor Evan. I can't be Joel Osteen. I got to be me. That takes courage. Two snakes were slithering down the road. One snake looked at the other snake and said, hey, are we poisonous? The snake looked back at him and said, that's a weird question. Why'd you just ask me that? He said, because I just bit my lip. <laughs> you got to know who you are, but it takes courage to be takes courage to be who you were created to be. So to dare, to take a dare, I'm going to dare you to believe the rest of your year could be the best of your year, to be brave enough, to be bold enough, to be venturesome enough. The letter D, take D-A-R-E, D-A-R-E, write it down your page or on your iPad or your, your phone, however you take notes, because you want to remember these four things. And this is just a way to help you remember. It's like these two guys were talking, and, and one guy said, the other guy said, hey, he said, uh, my anniversary's coming up. I'm trying to find a place to take my wife. He said, I know just the place. Just took my wife there the other day. The food was amazing. Service was impeccable. The, the atmosphere was incredible. This place, man, it's the best place I've ever been. He said, man, that sounds like a perfect place to take my wife. He said, it, it is. He said, what's the name of it? He said, that's the problem I don't remember. He said, what do you mean you don't remember? He said, I don't remember the name of it. He goes, you got to remember the name of it. You just described this to me. It sounds amazing. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think I can remember. What's that flower, the red, red one with the long stem? It's got the thorns and stuff. Like, uh, and the guy said, a rose? He said, yeah, that's it. Rose, what's the name of that restaurant that we went to? Okay, this is just going to help you remember, okay? I want to help you remember. The letter D is decide. The letter D is decide. Decide. Decide that the rest of your year can be the best of your year. Decide that the rest of your life can be the best. Decide that today can be better than yesterday. It starts with a decision. I decided today is going to be a good day. When I woke up this morning, I decided it didn't matter what was going on. Well, you must have just everything just must be perfect for you. Well, of course not. Nothing's perfect in anybody's life, but it's a choice. It's a decision. You know, the average person makes about 2,500 decisions every single day. 
2,500 decisions every day. Some decisions aren't any big deal. What you had for breakfast or what shirt you wore to church isn't going to shape your, your future or change your destiny. But there's other decisions that you make that really chart the course of your life. Our decisions are powerful. And so there's always more than one way to look at decisions. We can look at how to make decisions or we can look at decisions you need to make. Today I want to talk to you about some decisions you need to make. Some decisions decide that life can get better. Decide that, that God's favor is upon your life. Decide that, uh, that the rest of your year is going to be the best. It's not how to make them. Like I said, there's always more than one way to look at something. But things happen. I mean, you, how, many had, how many had two or three things happen this morning that could have ruined your day if you'd have let it? Let me see your hand. Yeah, look at that. I mean, look at all those hands. I, I got up, realized I brought the wrong belt. Oh, man, that, that stinks. Uh, I tripped over the ironing board. Uh, look, cut myself on the side. Well, man, it's just going to be a bad day. Forgot my belt, the uh, ironing board. I mean, I could start blaming. I could come up with all kinds of reasons. But I decided today, I never wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Whichever side I get up on is the right side. It's my choice to rejoice. I mean, things happen. Things happen. I, that rear end of the car. That could ruin your day, rearing in the car, you know. Guy, guy gets out of the car. I kind of shook up there. I, I kind of get my attention. I notice the guy gets, he's mad. He gets out of the car, comes storming back to my car, and he's like, oh, man, he's banging on the window. I'm like, what in the world? I look over, and it was a, he was a dwarf. He was a, a, like there at my window, like, like Snow White. You know what I'm talking about? Like right there he was, and he's like, oh, man. He's, I rolled my window down, and he's like banging. He goes, I am not happy. And I was like, which one are you? I, uh, so, uh, so listen, things happen. Things happen in life. We deal with things in life. But it's, it's a choice. It's a decision that today is going to be a good day. Decide. Decide. Here, here's something. You can decide to enjoy yourself. You can decide to laugh a little bit. You can decide to sit there. The Bible says a merry heart is good like a medicine. You know, it's amazing. Medical science is now echoing what the Bible said 2,000 years ago. The laughter releases endorphins and disease-fighting cells. My, my doctor actually prescribes laughter. He'll say, do this, this, and give me five belly laughs every day. He said one 20-second belly laugh is like three minutes of aerobic exercise. Think about that. A 20-second belly laugh is like, he, he, so five belly laughs, that's like 15 minutes on the treadmill. I live 15 minutes from Krispy Kreme. Like, what if I laughed all the way down there? Just everything would just balance out. So it's good. Don't let the enemy keep you so uptight and so stressed out that you can't laugh a little bit, that you can't enjoy life. My little boy is seven. He, he keeps us laughing all the time. Just he's, he's a funny kid. And it, I mean, I choose to enjoy it. The other day he got in trouble. I said, I'm getting ready to spank you. He looked at me. He said, Dad, we are brothers in Christ. <laughs> he goes, you can't spank brothers, can't spank brothers. I'm like, how do you spank me after that? I'm like, that was awesome, man. That was a, that was a good one. Let's get some ice cream. We, he just, he's been homeschooled. He just started school in, in uh, August, so he's going to regular school. He's been traveling with us all over the world the last few years. And, and uh, so in school, I was telling Pastor last night, I said they, they were learning about the seasons, you know, summer and winter and spring and, and fall. And, and he's used to just traveling and being in hotels and everything. And the, the teacher was talking about the different seasons. She said something about the four seasons. And he's like, I love the four seasons. Oh, that's one of my, we stay there all the time. The four <laughs> 
It's good to laugh, enjoy. It's a, that's a decision. You can decide to enjoy life. You can decide to laugh a little bit and smile, even no matter what the situations around you are going, or you can choose to, to sit there. It's a decision. So first thing I want you to do, the letter D, decide that the rest of your year can be the best of your year. The letter A, the letter A, accept responsibility. Accept responsibility. Accept responsibility for what will make the rest of your year the best of your year. Because here's the thing. If you do the same thing the rest of this year, you did the first part of this year, the rest of the year is going to end up just like the first part of the year. If I want tomorrow to be different than today, I've got to learn something today in order to make tomorrow different. I try to learn something every single day. I've accepted responsibility that maybe there's something. How many like to be, how many like to be doing better than you're doing right now? Okay. If you're not doing as well as you'd like to be doing, all that means is there's something you don't know. If you're not doing as well as you'd like to be doing, it just means there's something you don't know. When I heard that, I went from being a know-it-all to being a learn-it-all. I've noticed successful people constantly learn and grow. Unsuccessful people think they know it all. You ever notice that? Like it's always your broke cousin that knows everything. They're broke. Ah, that don't work. I don't try that. that, that. I try to learn something every day. If tomorrow's going to be different than today. I learned the other day, you're more likely to get shot by a fat cop if you run. <laughs> That's something I learned the other day. I'm just, and there's always stuff to learn every, every day. You can learn something. I learned not everybody spells their name the same. You know, like, like I was signing books back there after service. I go back and sign books and Cheryl, C-H-E-R-Y-L. Next lady, Cheryl. S-H-E-R-Y. I mean, you've got different ways to spell it. You know, Tracy, uh, T-R-A-C-I, T-R-A-C-Y, T-R-A-C-E-Y. you got all these different ways. So I'm, at, I'm at, at learning names all the time. So I'm at Starbucks the other day, and there's a new girl in there. And so we were talking for a few minutes, and she got her badge on, you know, because she was in training. She was a little trainee badge. So I was just kidding with her because I'm like, that's funny. Like, your mom named you trainee? Because, you know, she looked at me, she said, it's Trinae. And I'm like, like seriously, how would I, how would I have known that if I, I'm just, there's always, there's always something to learn. So I've accepted responsibility. I've accepted responsibility because it's easy to blame other people for your problems. You know, it's, it's the government's fault. It's, it's the economy's fault. It's, it's poor parenting. It's, it's always someone else's fault while we haven't made it, while we haven't accomplished it, while we haven't done it. Or we can choose to accept responsibility. God gave us the ability to accept responsibility. He's laid out the principles. Now we have to choose to follow them, to do what they say, to accept the responsibility to make tomorrow different than today. Don't blame other people. Guy gets pulled over by the cops. Always, you know, some people always have an excuse, right? Why they always excuses for this, always excuses. And uh, gets he gets pulled over, and uh, and uh, and and the cop says, uh, "You were swerving a little bit there. I'm going to need you to take this breathalyzer test." He said, "I, I can't take a breathalyzer test. I have asthma. <laughs> if I take a breathalyzer test, I'll have an asthma attack, and that would just be horrible." And the officer said, well, then I'm going to need you to get in the car. I'm going to take you down to the station. I'm going to need a blood sample. He said, oh, I can't do that. I'm a hemophiliac. If I give a blood sample, I'll bleed to death. That'd be horrible. The officer said, well, fine, then I'm going to need a urine sample. He said, I, I can't do that. I'm diabetic. 
blood sugar will go up. That'd just be excuses for everything, you know. He's like, okay, fine, then just step out of the car and walk down the white line. He said, I can't do that either. He said, well, why can't you do that? He said, because I'm drunk. <laughs> Listen, you can always come up with an excuse of why you can or why you're not going to be able to. Or you can accept responsibility for where you're at and do something different than you're doing right now. The letter A is accept responsibility. Let me give you two more. The letter R. The letter R. Respond with generosity. Respond with generosity. I love that your pastors are some of the most generous people I know. And I love they're teaching you generosity. And, and as a church, we're a generous church and generosity. I love that. We're going to touch our city with giving. We, we love to give. Why do we like, how many like giving? Let me ask that. How many like giving? Yeah. How many like to be able to give more than you give right now? Yeah, we all love giving. Why? Why do we like giving so much? Well, mainly because it's the way God made us. God created us to be givers. For God loved the world so much that he what? He gave. He was a giver. He created us to be like him. He created us in his image. His image is that of a giver. So that's why we like giving. He loved the world so much that he gave. What did he give? Right. Not just any son. His only son, right? Wasn't like he had three sons. He's like, man, that second one. Uh, Take that one, man. He is just nothing but. No, it was his only son. That tells me. He gave me his best. He gave me his very, I think about that every time I have an opportunity to give. Like Pastor gave us the opportunity to honor God early with our tithe and offering. I'm thinking, I, I, every, everything I've got came from him. The fact that I woke up this morning, I could breathe was because of him. My wife, my house, my car, everything I've got. So to bring a little bit back to him is not a hard thing for me to do. It's all his anyway. I'm responding with generosity. I give because I'm thankful, not because the preacher told me I had to. Abraham started this generosity thing before tithing was ever like uh, written in a book or he never even read the Bible, wasn't even written yet. He said, God, everything I've got, you've been so great to me. How could I not give something back to you? He responded with generosity. Everything I've got. And I grew up in church. They taught us about tithe. Well, you better pay your tithe or God will kill you. That's how we learned about it, church. We didn't learn the, the joy of giving or generosity. It was, like, it was like, you know, we went to kids' church. We'd teach us songs as kids. You know, God will take it out of your hide if you don't pay your tithe. You know, um, it was like God was like the godfather of the mafia, and tithe is like protection money. Just give him his money. won't break your leg, burn your house. Just give him his. You know, we didn't learn the joy of, of giving to God. It was like, can you pass the money test? And if you really think about it, I mean, does God, does God need your money? I mean, does really God, I mean, how many believe God owns everything? Yeah, so it's not like he's pacing heaven going, oh, I hope Dave tithes. Oh, everyone's going to be coming up here. These streets have got to be repaved. The price of gold these days, gold is just true, even by the inches. Um, we've got new robes for the angels. The angels need robes, and there's just so much going on, and God doesn't need my money. Tithing, listen, tithing has nothing to do with money. Nothing to do with money. God doesn't need your money. It is a test. Now, it is not a money test, but it is a test. He said, test me and prove me in this and see. It, it's, a t- it's a trust test. It's not a money test. It's a trust test. When I tithe, all I'm saying is, God, I trust you. I asked you earlier, how many believe the Bible? Okay. And how many believe you wrote it to help you? 
Okay, look, it's amazing. We all believe we wrote it, and we all believe he wrote it to help us, but we're all not tithing. Okay, you didn't like that part. Okay, let's move on to the letter E. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just saying, really. He, even, he said, look, I know they're going to say they believe the Bible. I know they're going to say they believe I wrote to help them. But I know they're still going to have a problem with this part. So look, trust me. He's like, prove me. Come on, just give it a shot. If it doesn't work, quit doing it. Obviously, God wasn't telling the truth. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a shot and see. What if you tried it? What if you tried it between now and the end of the year? What if you tried it for the next 90 days? Said, God, I'm going to put you to the test. 90 days, I'm going to trust you. You want the rest of your year to be different than the first part of this year? What if you were more generous the rest of this year? What if you were more faithful in your tithe and, and offerings to God? What if you were more generous? Maybe you normally dropped in 20, you dropped in 30. What if you normally dropped in 50, you dropped in 100? What if you normally dropped in 5, you dropped in... What if you just did something above? I remember when all my wife and I had was $2 to give. Above our tithe, $2. We, lived, we just lived up the road here, not far in, uh, in, in around Louisville. Texas, and we lived in a little government-assisted apartment, you know, Section 8 housing. How much we made determine how much we paid for rent. That's 16 years ago. Didn't have a bed, had an air mattress, didn't have a dining room table and chairs. Just starting. Dave Martin International. We're like, we're like where y'all been? We ain't been anywhere. International. We went to Canada once, and that made us international. But uh, uh, but we had a dream, you know. I never wrote any books or CDs. I just started. I, I mean, my ministry was small. I did everything. Answered my own phones. <laughs> Dave Martin International. How may I help you? Can I speak with Dave? Uh, one moment, please. <clears throat> Hello? <laughs> wow, your staff is so efficient. Yeah, trained it myself. It was a small ministry. I did everything. Remember, I finally I got one tape, Pastor. Remember those two tape dubbers from the 80s? I mean, I dubbed my own tapes, made my own. Our ministry was small. I did everything. I used to lay hands on people, run behind them, catch them. <laughs> That's a really small ministry. You got to do all of it by yourself, you know. But... But I began in that little apartment to respond with generosity. God blessed me. I was $2 all I had. Then I remember it was $5 all I had. I remember when $10 was all I had. But I kept responding with God. Every time I raised the standard of my giving, God raised the standard of my living. He blessed me so I could be a greater blessing the next time. And I just kept giving at different levels, and God kept blessing me. I encourage you, wherever you're at, do something more the rest of this year than you did the first part of this year. And see if you don't get a different result. Respond with generosity. I dare you. The last letter, E. The last letter, E. So what was D again? Yeah, yeah. Decide. Decide that life can get better. Decide that the rest of your year can be the best of your year. The letter A was what? Accept. Yeah, accept responsibility. Yeah. What am I what do I need to do different the rest of this year? What does God tell me? What scriptures are here? What what maybe it's in a relationship, maybe it's in your finances. What do I need to do different if I want different results? How many married people are in here? Married people. Okay. How many single people? Single people. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Every time, married people, single people, woo. <laughs> it's funny you see single people looking at married people across the aisle. Oh, I wish I was married. I wish I was married. My life would be complete. Everything would be wonderful. I'd have some, someone to share things with. Then you see married people like looking back across the aisle at single people. Freedom, freedom, freedom. <laughs> Look, wherever you are, just be happy. Whatever, whatever season you're in, just enjoy the... Mary, how many married people, you and your spouse are totally different? 
Let me see your hand. You and your spouse are dead. How many have needed some wisdom to make it this far? Yeah. 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 So there, there's wisdom for relationships. There's all kind of wisdom in, in the Word of God to help you with your relationships. Single people. I mean, there's all kind of good stuff in there. Don't rush into things. You know, a lot of people, oh, well, we met at church. We're going to get anybody. Listen, anybody can act safe three or four months, you know. Don't rush into it. Give it some time. Let him go through a little something. Let him go through a little something on his job. See if he still tithes and trusts God. Let his money get low. See if he still puts God first. Let her, let her go through a little something with her family. See if she still honors God and does what's right. Because yeah, if they can't do what's right, you know, what's that old hymn uh, by Beyonce? Um, <laughs> to the left, to the left. If they, you know, I'm just saying. Just, just. Everything you need, you can find it in the... I, was, I tell the last service that there's, there's even good pickup lines in the Bible for single people. Like, yeah, like the other day I was reading the book of Numbers and I realized I don't have yours. Like, you, see, you could use that. It's right there in the Bible. Like, like, hey girl, I think you got one of my ribs. Wouldn't that be good? I'd be like right there. Like you're my, your name must be Faith because you're the substance of things I've hoped for. <laughs> I'm just saying everything you need is right there in the Bible. So accept responsibility. The letter R, respond with generosity. And the last one, let me give you this last one, then I'm going to pray for you. The last one, expect God's favor. Expect God's favor. Favor. You want the rest of your year to be the best year. What I love about favor, favor accelerates things in your life. Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Luke 2, 52 said, Jesus increased in wisdom. We talked about that, getting smarter. There's something you don't know. If you're not doing as well as you like to be doing, it means there's something you don't know. He increased in wisdom. How many like to increase your wisdom? Yeah, the Bible tells us, Proverbs 1, a wise person will increase in wisdom. Proverbs 2 says, the Lord will grant you a spirit of wisdom. Proverbs 3 tells us, hey, wisdom is valuable. It's more valuable than silver. It's more profitable than gold. It's more precious than rubies. Nothing you could wish for is as valuable as wisdom. That's why I can't go to Barnes & Noble without spending two or 300 bucks. There's too much stuff I don't know. If you're not doing as well as you'd like to be doing, it means there's something you don't know. I mean, I, I mean listen, I can, what took a man years to figure out, I can learn in a few hours by reading a book. I'd be crazy not to buy books. I love information. And so, so the Proverbs... Um, Four says, hey, whatever you do, get wisdom. Whatever you do, get it. How do you get it? Three ways you can get it. Number one, you can get it from mistakes. That's one way to get wisdom. That's the slowest way to get it. That is one of the ways you can get it. You can get it from making mistakes. Second way to get it is to get it from someone else's mistakes. How many would rather get your wisdom from Pastor Evan or Pastor Sarah's mistakes? I would much rather learn from their mistakes than my own mistakes. That's called mentorship. That's why when they teach us and they're helping us, they're showing us, hey, look, you don't have to do this. I've already done it. Here's what you can do. And man, it just saves us a whole lot of time. Thank God for pastors like that. Mentors. Third way to get wisdom is to buy it. Buy it. You can walk in and buy it. I was at a meeting. You just had Peter J. Daniels here. I remember the first time I heard him several years ago, went to a seminar, flew all the way to Hawaii to go to a seminar he was doing. It cost me $3,000 to get there and everything to do it all. And, and uh, while I'm there, he's teaching and he's, he's sharing and, he, and he's doing better than I'm doing. So obviously he knows something I don't know. So at the end, he goes, I got some book CDs, told us about them. I ran back and said, give me everything. They said, everything? I said, everything. He knows something I don't know. 
I'm going to find out what it is. My friend said, you're getting everything. They added it up. They said, if you buy everything, it's, it's $1,600 for everything. I said, that's fine. I'll take it all. They said, and my friend said, $1,600, are you crazy? You, you think it's worth it? I said, I don't know, but I think I'm worth it. You see, I buy books because I think I'm worth it. Not because I think paper's worth it. I think I'm worth it. I buy books, CDs, tapes, DVDs. Why? Because I think I'm worth it. And if I don't believe in me, why would anybody else believe in me? So I bought everything, $1,600. I bought it all. I started listening to it. I'm like, oh, that's good. I could use, oh, I could use that in my life. That's good. Then I, then I, got, I got this one idea. The, the billionaire, Texas billionaire Ross Perot said all it takes is one good idea to live like a king the rest of your life. Just one good, I got one idea off there, put the idea together, and I sold the idea. Within about eight months, this idea produced me over $300,000. Say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You're a little jealous about my blessings, aren't you? <laughs> How many be happy if you got a $300,000 idea? Yes, that's what I thought. How many be happy like a $50,000 idea? How many just hope you have an idea? Yes. God, I hope I think it's something. But see, how, how, many, how many think a, a $1,600 investment was worth a $300,000 idea? You'll always invest in what you find valuable. Three ways to see yourself. You can see yourself the way other people see you. Maybe good, maybe not. What other people think about you is none of your business. Quit worrying about what everyone else thinks all the time. I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt said, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. So I'm not going to worry about what everyone else thinks. I see myself. Again, it's important. It's good. You want to have a good self-esteem, a good confidence. I mean, I used to have really low self-esteem. Anybody ever struggle with self-esteem? Let me see. Your hand. Yeah, a lot of people have. I mean, I, I used to have such low self-esteem. One time I painted a blue square in my backyard just so Google Earth would think I had a pool. That's really low self-esteem. But, but you know, you got things. You deal with things. They affect your self-esteem. My first job was at a pet store. People kept coming in asking how much I was. That hurts, you know, just things you deal with. Hurt. So the third way to see myself is to see myself the way God sees me. One, how I see me is confidence. You want to have good confidence. But the other one to see yourself how God sees you would be Godfidence. There's a difference between having a Godfidence and having a confidence. Confidence is knowing who I am. Godfidence is knowing whose I am. And when I develop my picture the way God sees me, I, I picture up in heaven, God's got pictures of all of us up on the wall. There's all of our pictures. And the thing I love about the picture God has of us is it's already been touched up a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? Like they photoshopped it. They, they fixed it up. They made them look, made us, he made it look real good. Like, like Pastor Evans' pictures out there in the hallways and stuff. <laughs> a lot of Photoshop. Uh, anyway, uh, that's the same thing God did for us. He removed all the wrinkles of weakness. He took out all the blemishes of failure. And he developed a perfect picture of success. So I choose to live into the picture God has of me. I was doing some coaching the other day with Lou Ferrigno. Anybody remember Lou Ferrigno? Uh, he was the original Incredible Hulk. And uh, we were talking about his picture of how he saw himself. And he just sharing his story when he was nine years old. You know, he grew up deaf. And people made fun of him, and, and his, his dad was very abusive, told me he'd never make anything of himself. And he said somewhere, somehow, he developed the picture of himself the way God saw him. And instead of lowering God's picture to how he saw himself, he decided to live into the picture God had of him. And he went on to be Mr. Universe, an actor, the original Incredible Hulk, all that kind of stuff. But it all began with a picture 
of a confident picture of who he was, not just who he was, but who he was in Christ. So when you get that kind of picture, it'll be amazing at what you can do. The, the, expect God's favor to show up in your life. Favor is one of the greatest things you'll ever receive from God. Let me close with this. Whatever you recognize, you become thankful for. Whatever you're thankful for increases in your life. I don't have a lot of time to talk about uh, favor. I'd encourage you to get this book. How many would like to have more of God's favor than you have right now? Favor is one of the greatest things you'll ever receive from God. I think there's only about 30 of these left. The first service bought them. They're buying extra ones for Christmas gifts and everything. But uh, there's about 30 of these left. I would encourage you, if you can only get one thing back there on the table, if you can only get one thing on the table, don't leave without this book. Jesus increased in favor, the Bible says. If Jesus was increasing his favor, I think I need to be increasing my favor. So I started looking for ways to increase my favor. In this book, I give you seven ways to increase your favor. Over 100 facts about favor. Memory scriptures on the favor of God. But just the introduction alone is worth the entire book. On the introduction, it says this. Whatever you recognize, you become thankful for. Whatever you're thankful for increases in your life. Whatever you recognize, you become thankful for. That's like when you go to the mall and the parking lot's full, but then the front spot opens up. Thank you, Lord, for favor. When you go to the restaurant, they tell you it's going to be a 30-minute wait. They give you the pager, and in five minutes it goes off. Thank you, Lord, for favor. You're like, really? You don't think maybe someone just left early. Whatever you recognize, you become thankful for. Grocery store, person in front of you has a car full of stuff. You have a gallon of milk. You got one thing. Go ahead. You can go in front of me. Thank you, Lord, for favor. I like sitting in aisle seats on the plane. Every time I get in aisle seat, thank you, Lord, for favor. The other day, I'm coming back from South Africa, trying to change my flights. If I wanted to change my flight, it was going to cost me $5,000 to change my flight, to come back a day early. Hung up the phone. Two days later, Delta calls me. Hey, that flight you're on is full. We were wondering if you had any flexibility in your travel plans. Could you come back a day earlier? I said, well, let me check. Maybe I could. <laughs> they said, what if we gave you 1000 Delta dollars? I said, I think we could work something out. Two days earlier, it was $5,000. Now, two days later, they're paying me $1,000. I don't know about you, but I call that. But I recognize the the, uh, the, uh, um, aisle seat. Whatever you recognize, you become thankful for. Whatever you're thankful for increases in your life. So anyway, that book's back there. There's only a few of them, and I'll be back there to sign them. And then we got about, I think about six or seven of these left. And so the first ones to get back there be the ones to, to get a hold of this. This is a coaching system, and we don't bring enough for everybody because not everybody's into wisdom, and this is a lot of wisdom stuff. But those of you that are into to developing, growing, I, I'm, I'm a coach. I do a lot of coaching with uh, everywhere from, from NASCAR to Mary Kay Cosmetics to all kind of different uh, people. And I can't sit down with everyone individually and coach them. But I developed a, a program. It's a 12-week program. It's based on a book I wrote called The 12 Traits of the Greats. Uh, it's a, it, I took over 500 hours and I studied great achievers. And I found the traits. It's not about the people. It's about the traits in their life. The common traits that made them great. How many want to be great? Yeah, you might as well want to be great. Greater is he that's in you. Greatness is already in you. Whether it's a great lawyer, great mechanic, a great school bus driver, a great doctor, whatever it is, God wants you to be great at whatever you do. And so I I looked at the traits. And some of you may recognize this book. Um, It was featured on Oprah. I don't know if anybody saw it featured there on Oprah. Anybody? Nobody? Nobody saw that feature on Oprah. Uh, How about from this angle? Anybody remember it? Anyway, um, featured probably stretching it. Anyway, like I, I, wouldn't, I guess I wouldn't say featured. Really, it was, it was on Oprah. 
Well, here's what happened. Okay, she, did anybody see the interview she did with Joel Osteen? Anybody see that interview where she interviewed Joel? Okay, quite a few of you. When she was interviewing Joel, they were in his office. When the camera went like, like past his bookshelf there for like about the fourth shelf down, about the third book over there, my book was featured there on Oprah, right there on the Oprah show. And so it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, anyway, I took the 12 traits, 12 traits, things like responsibility. I put that in the first chapter because how many, how many say, well, I could, I could work on that a little bit, except in more responsibility for, yeah, we all could do that. Talk about your mindset. How many have ever missed out on something because your thinking was wrong? Yeah, we, we can develop the right kind of mindset. The second one's all about your mindset, your passion. Two most important days of your life, the day you're born, the day you discover why. Why, why, do you, why are you here? When you discover your passion in the DVD on passion, the coaching session on passion, I ask you seven things, seven questions to ask yourself to find out why you're here. When you're doing what you love, when you discover your passion, you do what you love, what you love rewards you. I read 52% of Americans hate their jobs. It's because they're not doing what they love. Bill Gates loves computers. You think Bill Gates hates his job? No. Uh, Michael Jordan loves basketball. Basketball rewards him. Tiger Woods loves golf. Some other stuff. But, uh, uh, but the golf, golf, golf has been very rewarding. When you're doing the things that you love, what you love rewards you. Anyway, uh, we talk about your, your relationships, focus, imagination. I love the power of the imagination. It's a God thing. It's not a new age thing. It's a God thing. I love that. This, this right here is we're using the power of our imagination. Something has to be seeable before it's believable, believable before it's achievable. We're getting a picture of where God's taking us in the future. And so when you begin to see your dreams, you begin to see it come to pass. That's a whole other seminar. Anyway, um, courage, persistence, adaptability, generosity, wisdom, all those are the 12 traits in here. There's the book. There's a workbook. You can follow right along. You got to write stuff down. People remember better when they write things down. There's 12 DVD, the coaching sessions. You put them in, me and you sit down, and we go through each of these traits, a trait a week. And then there's a DVD, 12 DVD sessions, or CD sessions that you put in your car. That week, you put it in your car and listen to it over and over and over again. How many have ever watched a movie four times? How many saw things the fourth time you didn't see the first three? I never caught that before. You got to hear it over and over. When you get sick and tired of hearing something, you're just then starting to get it. So when you put this in your car and that week you listen to that trait over and over until you get sick and tired of hearing me, you're just then starting to develop that trait in your life. Anyway, it's a 12-week coaching program, the 12 traits of the greats. It'll be a great way to end your year strong and go into new year with a little bit of, uh, of just godly coaching. I'll show you where great people, um, Donald Trump used one of those traits, but King David, I traced it all the way back to King David, he used the same trait. Jim Carrey used one of those traits, I traced it all the way back to Abraham. Abraham used the same trait. Every one of them are in the Bible. There's no greater source of success than God's word. And the word of God, the principles of God are there to help us succeed in life. You got ungodly men using godly principles to achieve ungodly results. While the church, the body of Christ doesn't know the principles, ignores the principles and wonder why we struggle. I encourage you, invest in yourself. We made it half price. Uh, for the church. It's normally 400. You can get it for 200. So for half price, say thank you, by the way. Thank you. It's half price. You at least be grateful. Um, but uh, you can get it for, for half price while we have them left. Uh, there's just a few of them left. So I'd encourage you to make that investment uh, in yourself. And then uh, when you get it, you also get this DVD for free. You can't buy the DVD, but they'll give it to you um, absolutely free when you get the whole set. It's called A Night of Hope and Humor. 
It's a lot of fun. Uh, uh, we, we filmed it at, at um, a little church called Lakewood down in, in Houston that was, they were struggling. And so we came in and, and we just kind of tried to encourage them and, and they're doing pretty good now. It's really growing. And, and, uh, anyway, uh, we filmed that down at Joel Osteen's and it's just a lot of fun. You get it for free when you buy the coaching system and it, it's back there. Let me pray for you. And, uh, um, so the letter D was what? Decide. decide. You're going to decide that the rest of your year can be the best of your year. The letter A is what? Yeah, you're going to accept responsibility. What do I need to do different? If I want the rest of my year to be different than the first part of my year, what am I going to do different? I'm going to be more generous. I'm going to be more loving at home. I'm going to, what am I going to do? I'm going to learn something. I'm going to invest in myself. Benjamin Franklin said, if you think education is expensive, try ignorance. How many have ever made a mistake that cost you more than $300? Well, if you'd had some wisdom, you might have made that mistake. R, R was what? Yeah, respond with generosity. I encourage you, be faithful. Be more faithful between now and the end of the year. I'd encourage you, try for 90 days at least. If it doesn't work, quit doing it. But God said, trust him, test test him, prove him. What if you did it? What if you did it? More generous the rest of this year than you were the whole first part of this year. And then lastly, E, expect God's favor to show up. Because that's the accelerator. The favor can turn decades into days. What took men years will take you a day. Favor accelerates things in your life. So learn to recognize, accept, and walk in the favor of God. How do you increase your favor? Favor changes your medical report. Sarah, bearing in her womb, couldn't produce a child. God showed her favor. She had a child. Favor changed her medical report. Pastor's been teaching on miracles. You talk about miracles. Favor begins to release miracles in our life. Expect God's favor to show up. Let me pray this prayer over you. And then, and then pastor will come and close. I'll be back in the back to uh, say hello to you. On the way out, they'll give you this little card that just reminds you to keep saying, the rest of my life will be the best of my life. Also tells you how you can uh, connect with us a little bit. We do a daily coaching video and stuff like that. It's free. But, but um, I dare you. How many, how many are going to take the dare to believe that God could do more for you in the next 40-something days than he, than he did in, in the whole uh, uh, the whole first half of the year, whole first three quarters of the year. Father, I thank you. We're going to take this.